Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. You are listening to Tennis Channel Live, the podcast on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. We've got the game, the names, and the insight you need to stay covered on all the courts. All right, it's the TC Live podcast back for another week with pro tennis in the full form. We're returning to some pro game stuff. Mitch Michaels here and our guest this week, member of the Tennis Channel family, former Wimbledon quarterfinalist, two-time Delray Beach champion. Got to throw that in there. And uh, with the coaching and the playing, I think it's safe to say now a tennis lifer, Jan Michael Gamble, welcome to the show. Mitch, thank you. Thank you for having me here. We're excited because it's been five long months where we've had tennis exos, but we haven't had tour action. This is the first time. I know you came back from the uh, Greenbrier Greenbrier bubble for World Team Tennis, which I want to get into for sure. But Finally, some competitive tennis. You see some things change. The competitive juices get flowing. The fields aren't as loaded as they may have been, but how important is it and how cool is, cool is it just to see tennis with some stuff on the line now? Well, I think, first of all, I think it's been amazing how tennis has adapted and we've had all these fantastically done exhibitions all over the world. There's been a, different, a lot of different forms of our game and I think maybe even brought some new people to our sport seeing how it can be done all these different places. I think that was fantastic. I remember sitting down here with Ari Wolf doing the first German exhibition <laughs> back yeah. uh, in this very room. And, uh, you know, that was, we were excited just to have tennis at all. Now it's fantastic to see Palermo in full action. We're going to see a lot of tennis returning next week. We have a couple more WTA events uh, on board. It's just fantastic. And, and it's good to see that we've, we've sort of found a way to make it work with the pandemic. It's, yeah. it's very difficult. You see some tournaments canceling Madrid, just getting canceled a couple days ago. That's very unfortunate, but you have to be safe about this and, and make sure that you know what you're doing and that you're 100% behind the decisions to get back on court. Happy to see it happening, though. Right. The game itself, you think, from the outside, like it's a not perfect, but it's a good game for social distancing. But the travel side, this international game, which we love so much, is so global that it's hard to get everybody into different locations and go country to country. But also, I mean, not to get too sentimental, but you know, everyone talks about how long the season is. There's not that much of an off break, you know, four or five months without tennis. I think fans and players alike, we just miss it. We just miss seeing, you know, very good high level tennis. Well, I think that that's, there's a couple of points there that are important ones is, is obviously the travel is, is very difficult. Uh, very few places that you can go without special permissions. And they're looking into those permissions for the U.S. Open and obviously Cincinnati, which is being played in New York. So there's, there's that to be, that is a something that we've actually taken, I think, for granted for so long. So right. easy to get all these different places in the world and play tennis on these, all these amazing places. And you take that big breath and you're like, oh, wow, when is the off season? When do I get a little bit of time as a player? And even as a coach, when being a full-time coach for several different players, you know, it's when am I going to have a little time at home? And now <laughs> we have <laughs> yeah. all this time at home and, and we're, we're thinking, when can we travel again? I'd like to go there. I'd like to see these places. I mean, we're watching... Palermo, these these uh, great matches we've been seeing this week in this WTA event there, and it's just a beautiful place. I'd love yeah. to see that side of Italy, um, the Sicily down that area would be just amazing, and it would be a beautiful place to play some tennis. So right. I envy them a little bit. 
Right, and you have new, like you mentioned, like new locations. Like, I mean, there's that event in Lexington next week that's going to get Serena Williams. And, you know, it's cool to see some new destinations on the tennis calendar. We're all trying to figure this out together. Uh, Palermo becomes the, I don't want to say case study, but it becomes the first tour stop which we've since they've started this resumption. We've seen some of the tennis. It's been some high-quality matches. Some interesting things have happened. What have you thought about the level that we've seen from the players? I know it's hard to just jump back into a pro tennis match. They've kept in shape, but it's hard to get that workout and get those, you know, high quality reps in. What's your take on the reps that we on the level that we've seen from the players so far? Well, we just saw uh, we just watched the match with uh, Cochietto and uh, Annette Contevate, which was which was an amazing match. And Contevate has played better each match she's played. Uh, I feel like she's she's gotten a little bit more match tough. Uh, mm-hmm. You talk about being match match tough in in these tournaments and you have to play the tournaments, play the matches to get there. It's it's, you can do all this off court work. I, I personally love to love to work out. I CrossFit almost every single day, whenever I can, when I step foot on a court and actually play like even baseline games or something, um, I'm coaching a, a young player, Tristan Boyer, and I play some baseline games with him and I get tired by the third one, just playing <laughs> long points. And it's, it's very different, it's different doing the work of off yeah. the court to actually going and doing it in matches. So it's going to take a little while, but I think that the quality of tennis has been very good in Palermo. Right, and there was a few retirements early, some some issues there. It seems like it's gotten better, and the more we've gotten into the the later ends, like today, especially the action's been great. It's picking up. Well, absolutely, and I think that the thing that we've seen is is really there's a bit a few little small injuries that the women out there have been sustaining. Um, we've seen a lot of visits from the trainer coming out on the court, which is I think to be expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, it's it's clay, which it's very easy to, to kind of lose your footing and and have those kind of small injuries, especially in the legs, occur. Um, but it's it's still part of getting back into the swing of things. In the end, I'm just happy to see tennis on the court. Right. And the the previous point you made, a case study, it is very much a case study to see that it can be done safely. Yeah. Um, and I know everybody's eyes are on this tournament to see how, how well they come through with it. And you brought up it's a clay court tennis. That's a good point to clay court tennis right now in August is a good point to bring out. Not something we normally see. There's hard court events. We, we didn't get to have a grass season this year, unfortunately. You have hard court events, you have clay court events scheduled tentatively. Now, what actually happens, we're not sure, but that's something else these players have to kind of deal with is what are they training on, what are they gearing up for? It's an individual decision that's ultimately going to be up to them and where they can go, but you know, it's it's another thing they have to weigh for sure. Yeah, it's this year is such a whirlwind of let's just get back on court there's going to be hard court there's going to be clay we're not going to see much grass we saw a couple grass exhibitions right but no tournaments uh it's it's going to be let's just get on the court and try to make it work and be safe about it players are going to have to simply adapt there's it's going to be tough again to, to travel to these different places but when you can get out there and play a tournament and you have the ranking to get a, to get in the event you're going to want to be there absolutely jan michael gamble here on the tennis channel live podcast the Big event on the calendar coming up after uh, a couple lead-ins is going to be the U.S. Open. It's still on track to happen in a bubble in New York City. No fans in attendance. On TC Live this week, Steve Weissman, John Wertheim, and Chanda Rubin discussed the uh, recently released protocols, all the rules, some interesting ones here we're going to share with you. Take a listen. We found out the protocols today. If you leave the bubble, what happens? If your team leaves the bubble, what you need to do in terms of quarantining and all that stuff. So let's break it down for you right now. And here are the rules as the U.S. Open protocols. If you leave the bubble, John, without permission, you are automatically withdrawn. What else do you see here? 
Yeah, you're out. And uh, I mean, you can you can sort of go through these. And again, the, the bubble concept is really going to be key. It's been one of these USDA talking points. I think a lot of this comes from what we've seen in other sports and also with World Team Tennis. You can see here about uh, positive testing players with their roommates, 14 days of quarantine. Remember, there is no qualifying draw at the U.S. Open. What happens if a player tests positive or violates one of these rules? Well, a doubles player will be there as a singles alternate. But again, the USDA has made it very clear that this is non-negotiable. There may be some additional protocols based on what we see in Lexington and Cincinnati. But again, this whole idea of the bubble is going to be really critical because we see in other sports, that's the difference between the sports that have succeeded in a restart and those that have struggled. Yeah, I think we'll have to see how that plays out with players having different schedules, different things that they do off court um, and once they're done for the day. The, the one I had the issue with was the doubles players serving as singles alternates. We already know the U.S. Open is not going to have qualifying. That was a big blow. You understand trying to, to create this event and not be able to have as a certain number of players that they can service. Um, but. I don't know that this makes the most sense. I mean, what about those singles players that would have been in next into the draw? It doesn't seem quite fair. And how many doubles players are going to actually be ready to play singles? I mean, I think that one is the one I have the biggest problem with. And that is the protocol for if a singles player tests positive for COVID before the first round. So that could certainly come into play. Uh, meantime, we knew that some players could get their own private homes, but if they do that, not only do they have to pay for their own private homes, Chanda, but they have to pay for 24-hour security, somebody that makes sure that they don't leave without permission. Well, some players may have their own security, but for the most part, this is going to be a big ask, and, and there's only probably going to be certain players that are able to do this in terms of the cost and want to, uh, you know, spend this kind of money. I think the entourages, that was always the big question. How many people would players be allowed to have, whether it was on site, whether it was in the hotel rooms, max three people at the National Tennis Center, and only one of those, along with the player, will be allowed on court and in the locker rooms and in the dining rooms. You think about about players who have hitting partners as well as coaches. How is that going to work out? The hitting partner obviously has to be on court, but does the coach have to kind of stand uh, in the players in the stands or, or sort of shout down um, advice? I mean, you, you're wondering in, in practice how all of this will play out, but it's certainly a good effort at trying to keep everyone safe. Yeah, I've heard a lot of players are really looking seriously at this home option, at this rental home option. I mean, the USDA at one point had quoted $40,000, but apparently that price has dropped. I'm not sure how this bubble is going to work. I mean, if somebody comes in to, to clean your home, what happens with that? Um, as you say, Chad, it's almost like we need uh, you know, ankle monitors. You have to have your own security monitor you. But, you know, the tours I've heard have been still negotiating this. And there was one effort. They said, listen, in week two, when there are fewer players around, can those entourages expand? That's something that was not negotiated. But again, this is going to be a very strange event. I'm not sure how all of this is consistent with this bubble concept we keep talking about. But yeah, I mean, you think about where we were last year and, and the notion that players are going to have private homes on Long Island with their own security and monitors. Um, it, it's been a strange few months, guys. The security hired by the USTA. By you, so it's not you. even their own security. They, they literally are hiring right. Big Brother, basically, to make sure that they follow the rules, which they need to do. As a player, Chanda, uh, what stands out to you the most that would be a challenge for you? 
You know, I think it, it was the question of, of how many players, how many people allowed on court and in those dining areas. Very often players travel now with big teams, but even if you have a small team, there's usually a hitting partner and a coach. I mean, are you going to have to choose between those two when it comes to preparing for matches, when you're sitting and eating, uh, and, and when you're trying to, to prepare on court? So I think that's going to be <laughs> one of the challenges, along mm. with, you know, having the police uh, police all of these different players in these different situations introducing coco golf's signature shoe more than just a tennis shoe it's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette it's designed to enhance speed and power on the court the multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out the coco cg1 empowers you to dominate the game learn more and purchase the coco cg1 at newbalance.com all right, so the big one, Jan Michael, is uh, if you leave without permission, that's it. You're you're withdrawn. I mean, that was the one that stood out to me. The entourage stuff, capping it out at about three and, and only having one person with you on the premise, it seems like that wasn't an issue with most of the players. But they're really taking this seriously. And it'll be interesting to see if there's any pushback, any violation, any you know stern warning or, or ultimately withdrawal will take place. Well, I think that, first of all, the entourage issues, they've, they've taken – a little bit of a step back. I know that at first they were going to only allow plus one for the players. I know the players were ha- a lot of players were having none of that. Pretty pretty difficult for some of those teams to just be reduced to one person. You kind of ask yourself which is more important, my coach or my physio. You know, there's a lot of things there, or my my parent that comes with me that gives me that kind of confidence in my game. So that three is is actually I think a fair number. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a big place. They're not going to have fans there, so I think that there's going to be a, right. a, a way to space it out. Um, I know that they've separated the media. Uh, this year I was asked a question, are you going to coach anybody at the at the U.S. Open? Last year I was working with Ernesto Escobedo and doing media. Can't do both this year. You have okay. to pick. So that's that's another thing that they've they've decided to do. Um, the, one pl- one, the plus one in the locker room makes a lot of sense to me. So those kinds of rules are good. If you leave the bubble, it's, it's, just, it's just the way they've done it. It, does, it just makes sense. You can't... Uh, if you have one person breaking the rules, it's so easy for everybody. And he catches, he or she catches COVID somewhere and brings it back. Everybody could get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's got to be taken serious. It's going to be uncomfortable. Like we were just saying, this isn't a traditional event. This isn't a traditional year. I thought doubles players as singles alternates was kind of an interesting wrinkle too. <laughs> that one is pretty crazy. As, as well. Um, one thing, one concern I have though, is the, the rule that's if you have a positive test, you're out and you have to do a 10 day quarantine. We've had the issue with other sports, too, with false positives. So that's something I'm, I'm very fearful of happening. If a false positive situation happens, then how do you react? You know, that's, <laughs> there's just in, in this situation, there's simply no precedent for mm-hmm. that. You don't know how you would react to that. I, I hope it doesn't happen. I hope they have, they have tests that, that are, pretty, that are yeah. accurate 100%. Yeah. Um, obviously, those are still being developed. Um, I've done the blood test a couple times. It takes just 15 minutes. Um, I know the tests, not all the tests are 100% accurate right, right. Right, right away. Well, you had that experience. I wanted to get into world team tennis. Um, one of the better, I mean, I'm not just saying that because we were thirsty on sports. They got players that wanted to play that bought into staying in the bubble. Obviously, a little easier when you're at a super nice resort like the Greenbrier. I'll tell you. You were there, and you saw it firsthand. What was it about? Was it, I mean, I'll ask it this way. Was it about the fact that they just wanted to play, that they were, you know, thirsty to get it back out on the court because they clearly bought in from the get-go what made the players take this season as serious as any world team tennis season we've seen well well first of all 
the Greenbrier is a world-class resort. It's, it's unbelievable. If anything that you can kind of cross your mind that you would like to do, you can pretty much do there on site. There's great restaurants and great activities. And so it's, it's a place that you would want to go for three weeks and not yeah. leave if you could do it. I was happy there. The entire t- 10 days I stayed were amazing for me. So I had, I had no desire to leave whatsoever. So that there is that, that it's, it's pretty good. Although it is country. I'm, I'm a country boy growing up. I grew up on a, on a ranch. So for me, it's like, oh my God, I'm in the country. This is, this is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't ever want to leave this place. But, you know, for the rest of the players, first of all, they're all hungry for matches and world team tennis is a fantastic way to hone your hone your tennis game and to get a lot of matches win or lose a lot of pressure situations because everything counts in world team tennis i played a lot of seasons myself i think about eight or nine seasons and coached a season um i really enjoy world team tennis so it was fun for me to go there and do some broadcasting work there um kind of like the three prong of of what a player can kind of do for um on the side of things there and i think that everybody was just out there to win obviously they've infused a lot of money into world team tennis this year. So there was a lot on the line. Uh, those five, that 500, $500,000 at the end, a lot up for grabs with that big Coco Vandeweghe forehand <laughs> that she hit to win that one. It was <laughs> some it came good down to stuff. A deciding point came down to all of it. Everybody was having a good time. The players, uh, obviously you and working with our friend of the show, Leif Shiras. Oh you man. Know. He's such a joy to work with. We all, just, but we were, just, but we were also tested and they did things right. You know, we, mm-hmm. it, we, you were still show, social distancing. And, and I should say, there were still guests allowed at the resort, right. but all the guests that I saw had their masks on when they were moving between different mm-hmm. places. The restaurants were open, but you had your mask on if you were in line getting coffee. If you sat down at a restaurant, you were able to take the mask off. The pool had limited amount of people that could come in. You had to wear a mask to get there. Mm-hmm. It's a giant space, and they didn't allow yeah. that many people, and you had to make reservations for just two hours. So they were really smart about the way they were doing things. And, and the leadership on that point, not to get into all of it, but anytime there was a conflict, conflict, they were able to handle it, move on, keep everybody safe. Do you think there was any differences that you noticed about the pro game, maybe the repetition, just um, you know the, tra- the traditions that players might have, how they get warmed up, how they you know take practice, anything that was a little different that'll take some adjusting to, let's say, at the U.S. Open in that bubble? Well, I think it's going to be interesting because it, it, at World Team Tennis, they had plenty of courts to practice on so everybody was doing their practices they were doing some before and after practices it was just it seemed to me pretty normal mm-hmm. um i think at the u.s open and obviously just going back and forth from your hotel it's going to be something that's going to take some getting used to i know some players will have the funds to be able to some of the very top players will have the funds to have a private a private residence i know they have to have 24-hour card to make sure they yeah. stay inside their own bubbles they're creating there so that's not going to be a cheap thing to do but i think it's it's in the end, you go to the U.S. Open to play the U.S. Open. Obviously, the experience of being in New York for, for a week, hopefully, if you're lucky enough to get into the second week, maybe a little bit longer, mm-hmm. is, is, a, is a fantastic one. New York is a, is a great city. I've always enjoyed traveling there. This year, it's just going to be about the tennis and be making sure that you stay safe. So if you can dumb it down to just, look, this is where I'm staying. This is where I'm practicing. I think you can make it work. Right. We're talking a couple weeks, uh, a big distinction for some of the other bubbles we're seeing in the NBA, the NHL, this is a lot longer period. This is, you know, it's a, it's a trip for a job. They want to be safe, but this is a huge opportunity. More on that uh, right now because the the next clip we're going to toss to, a lot of names have uh, unfortunately pulled out of the U.S. Open, headlined by Rafael Nadal, of course. Ash Barty along with him are being the top two names that we've seen pull out so far. But here's TC Live with Chanda, John, and Steve talking about Nadal's decision to pull out of the U.S. Open. 
Rafael Nadal was supposed to play in Madrid. He announced today he has withdrawn from the U.S. Open, so won't be playing the Western and Southern Open or the U.S. Open. Chanda, no defending champ at the U.S. Open. Huge news. It is, and a lot of disappointment. I mean, there are many, many fans that are disappointed to not get the chance to see Rafa play and defend his title at the U.S. Open, certainly the organizers of the event, the USTA. I mean, this affects everyone from the top on down. But you look at players, the decisions that they've had to make, the tough circumstances, and, you know, so you hear some people kind of say, there's such a low likelihood of death from this virus, from this pandemic. I'm saying, okay, it's a global pandemic. Even if it's a small percentage, a small chance, that is hundreds of thousands of deaths around the world. And so we have to respect players' decisions to take that into account, to take the health of them themselves as well as their family members into account. And so certainly I think we have to support uh, Rafa Nadal and his decision. I think that's a great point, Shanda. I mean, the obvious tactical decision is, look, this precedes clay. Why are you going to come across an ocean, play on hard courts, only to go over the clay, which is a surface that you've basically owned for the last decade and a half? But I think this goes beyond them. I mean, Rafa Nadal, guys, he has 19 majors. The guy who has the record has 20, and he's not playing, of course, better. So think about what this says about Rafa Nadal. I mean, this, this really is a function of his level of concern. I've been in touch with his camp for the last, you know, five, six months. This has really impacted him. And I think this is another reminder that an entry list is not necessarily uh, consistent with the list of players who plays an event because we had heard for really months now that Rafa had no interest in playing in the United States this year. He is a player who's been very outspoken about how impacted he's been by what he's been witnessing in Spain. And so this was not a big surprise, but I think it's too simplistic to say, oh, he's just saving himself for clay. I think, as Chanda said, part of this is Rafa Nadal is really, and he'll talk about this. I mean, he's he's spooked by this. So uh, it, it's tactical. It fits in. He'll, we'll see him at the French Open. But it goes beyond just a scheduling decision. Yeah, John, he said in his statement, this is a decision I never wanted to take, but I've decided to follow my heart this time. And for the time being, I would rather not travel. And, of course, he travels with a big team as well. So no Rafa Nadal at the U.S. Open. Seven of the top ten players on the ATP Tour still entered in the U.S. Open. And nine of the top ten on the women's side, including the defending champ Bianca Andreescu. All right, so Nadal's out of the U.S. Open. Today, as we record this, we found out Svitolina and Burton's are out. Kyrgios not playing. Interesting to note, Djokovic and Chilich are the only two Grand Slam winners currently entered in. Now, if they play, who knows? But Nadal not playing, obviously, for the sport, everybody wants to see greatness and wants to see the best players. This leaves a, a huge void, but, but also a huge opportunity for some players that have a chance to do some damage and possibly win a Grand Slam that might not have existed otherwise. Well, first of all, let's not forget Andy Murray. That's right. Andy Murray is, Murray is right. in the you tournament there, and, the and seemingly injury, uh, I don't know, injury-free, hopefully able to play at as close to 100% as possible. It's good to see him out there on the on the ladies, women's side of things. Kim Kleister's in, in the event. Uh, that's going to be fun to watch. She played some good that, tennis at yeah. WTT. It was really yeah, high-quality tennis. Exactly. She could be very dangerous. I think it's going to be interesting to see. I, you know, I've been hoping for a new champion for a while, especially in the men's side. The women's side, we've been lucky enough to see various different champions coming through and winning these events. Mm -hmm. The men's side, I love these great these great champions that we have in Nadal, Djokovic, and Federer. I love them, and I love Andy right. Murray. Seeing them win all these tournaments and how the level of tennis that they've played is unbelievable. But I'm personally ready for somebody else to do it. I think this year. If somebody can get by Novak, it's not going to be an easy trick to do, but uh, maybe we might see a new champion. I know there's some people, Dominic team is knocking at, at, at the door there. 
Um, yeah. We could see him kind of maybe come through. Team Sitsipas has played well. There's Sitsipas some is definite th- definite possibilities there. There's some guys yeah. that can really kind of put put it on. And if they don't have to get through two of these guys, mm-hmm. that's the thing. That's that's the trick is is having to beat two of these great champions, not just one of them. Some guys have proven they can beat one. Right. Did Did you ever look at like when you were playing the draw and necessarily think that same thing? Like, man, I, I might only have to go through one all time great player or one top player. And, <laughs> you know. Um, to be to be honest, I was pretty superstitious. I never looked at the draw at oh, all. Okay. So I didn't. Uh, we would uh, go to the tournament. My dad would look at the draw. He would tell me who I'd play first round. He'd want to tell me who I might play. And I was like, you know what? I don't care who I might play. Let me get through the first round. So you had no idea who. No idea. Wow. No, I had no idea. It just it just didn't make any sense. And yeah. I still don't think it makes sense when I'm coaching somebody where. And I was working with various players. Yeah. I would look at the draw. They've actually all been the same. Coco Vandeweghe doesn't look at the draws. Oh. When I was working with Jared Donaldson, he didn't look at the draws. It was up to me to kind of look at it. Hey, this is who you're going to play. Let's 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 form right. a, an attack and a game plan for this player that's in front of you, and not worry about who you might play if if you win. If you win, that's great. Yeah. Now we'll we'll get a game plan for that. And I'll, as a coach, I would go and watch that player and hopefully get a little info. It makes perfect sense. It's uh, it's something that I think strategically and for the right mindset works. I would worry about the top players. Like if they're going to watch, they basically couldn't watch TV then because all they talk <laughs> about is like Federer Djokovic in the same quarter, you know? Well, for those top, top guys <laughs> yeah. that continue to, yeah. they make, they're making the quarterfinals, yeah. semifinals are better. Yeah. Every <laughs> single slam, maybe they look at the draw a little bit. Yeah, possibly. Uh, but not just the players, Jan Michael, that could win. I'm also thinking about, they don't have to necessarily be younger players, but veterans too, that this is a huge opportunity to make a run, make some serious money for the financials. Just getting into the tournament, getting the, maybe the automatic entry that you wouldn't normally get with players dropping out. This is a golden opportunity for a lot of players. Absolutely. Let's let's look at Walrinka. He comes out of nowhere and plays some unbelievable tennis, often on the men's side of things, you know, Simona Halep, what's she going to do out there? I mean, there's some opportunities for her in this tournament. I think that there's just all these players that you look in both both the men's and women's that are going to be interesting to kind of watch and and see how they you know deal with all of this. And and you know what, as we get closer and closer, we may see f- more people pull out of this event, being because either they don't think it's safe, as as Rafael Nadal has kind of said, that's just maybe not a safe thing for me to do, and it makes sense that he says that. I can't disagree with him. Mm-hmm. And then there's going to be those players that say, well. I, I can go there, but I may not be able to get back. Well, that's, a, that's the big thing right now is can we get back to Europe? That's a huge point to bring up that last one because this isn't the end of the season. So if it was just a hardcore swing in North America, we might see some different decision makings, but they want to try to do the French Open. They want to have European events too. Rome coming up. I mean, Madrid got canceled. This and on a different surface as well. This is tough. You're asking European players, especially to go to America and then come right back. Absolutely. I mean, Rafael Nadal, defending champion, but does he not want to play the clay court season? <laughs> I mean, yeah. he's going to play the clay court events. He's going to play Rome. He wants to right. play. Obviously, Madrid canceled, but the French is going to be in his sights. And props to the to the tours for the twenty four um, month ranking period, not forcing Nadal to either come to America or lose all those points. So that'll still be you know in his back pocket. I, I think that the decision they made with the ranking and giving them a lot longer to hold onto mm-hmm. those points and choose if you want to keep this tournament or that maybe play or not, is it was one of the best decisions they could have possibly made. A lot of logic was used yeah. there. Absolutely. Well, the last clip we want to get to on this TCLI podcast with Jan Michael Gamble involves someone who is going to play at the U.S. Open, is actually playing next week. The GOAT, Serena Williams, is going to play in Lexington, Kentucky, that new inaugural tournament. She had the court of the U.S. Open shipped to her house. She's all in this year, and here is 
John, Chanda, and Steve talking about Serena's return at Lexington. Chanda, Lexington is happening. The top seed open for the first time ever. And they have quite the lineup of players. Both Williams sisters, Coco Goff, Arena Sabalenka, Sloan Stevens. It is stacked for Lexington. Uh, but Serena Williams is the headliner, number nine in the world. We haven't seen her play uh, since the Fed Cup qualifying in February. What do you expect to see from Serena next week? You know, I, I think Serena is one of those players that this this break could have helped because she's so experienced. She understands what she needs to do to build with fewer matches going into big events. So certainly that should not hamper her as much as it may uh, younger players or, or players who are used to getting more matches under their belt. And I think just allowing the reset. She's been able to spend more time at home with her family. She started back training in Florida, really locking in on that. So I would expect her to be in really good shape and good spirits mentally and emotionally, and she could be dangerous. I think this is a perfect event for Serena to come back. I mean, as Chanda said, I mean, this is sort of uh, an event that hasn't happened before. This is the inaugural year. Not a lot of people will be watching. Not a lot of people necessarily will be putting great credence in these events. At the same time, this has really become a stacked field. It's not going to have the pressure of crowds. It's not going to have the pressure of media and other obligations. If you're talking about easing your way back and really gauging where is my game right now, especially for a player of a uh, Serena Williams vintage. I think this is really a smart move of her to play this. So Serena's coming back playing in that event, also with Sloane Stevens. It's it's a pretty loaded field to say the least. Not bad for a, a debut inaugural event. Jay Michael, Serena's clearly going for it. I don't know how many more chances she's gonna have. We talked about golden opportunities. This is uh, a chance in her closing window to really get that twenty fourth major. Yeah, you know what? And there's a lot of us, uh, including myself, really behind Serena to get that done. It's been She's been so close, and I hope she does it. I hope I hope this is a good start for her in Lexington. It looks like a fantastic event, though. There's a lot of great uh, faces and players on hand. It's going to be a nice new event for the WTA. It's great to see a new tournament, a new American tournament in the States. I hope mm -hmm. we can see more of that on both the men's and women's tour. And for Serena, it's a good, a good idea for her to get some tennis in. Ho hopefully she'll play the, the Cincinnati event that's been moved there and have some actual time on court. It'd be great for her. I didn't know that she had the entire stadium shipped to her house. That's pretty impressive. She wants to play <laughs> on that court. Yeah, the whole stadium, too. Um, yeah. Well, she's playing more tennis, which is good. We saw her get to two, get to four major finals, two last two U.S. Opens, last two Wimbledons, but didn't win a set in either of them. Do you think it's lack of big match experience? Because she looked great in, both, in all four draws until the final. Well, here's the thing about that is I, I don't think any of us can really get inside Serena's mind and understand what it means to her to win this next slam. Mm -hmm. She's put herself in the position to do it. She's lost a couple of matches that, frankly, her opponent played really well. All great also, players. All great against players great too. players. So can she bring her A game and win against those players? Yeah, she can. She absolutely can. She makes that first serve. She's not going to get broken. And, and if she's returning well, Serena's a force of nature. So it's, it's kind of, I think it's all mental for her, but it's also not really fair because I don't think that no, nobody else has been in that position. Right. So right. a tough one. She's in uncharted water Absolutely. being as great as she is. It's it's also funny because normally when you see players, especially the younger side, posting workout videos and trying to show that they're getting in better shape, you might think, well, what's the tennis side look like? With Serena, we know what the tennis side looks like. So if she comes into the U.S. Open in great shape, what she's been, you know, says she's been doing for the last couple months I mean, would you bet against her? It's a, it's a tough one. It's oh, a tough I, I one to bet against her. I absolutely would not bet against her. 
you know, she needs to bring that intense mean Serena out there in those matches mm-hmm. is what I'm, what I kind of feel as, as a competitor myself, when I was bringing my, my intensity to the court, my a game would shine right. through. So if I think that if Serena does that and really just fights and is, is the, is the tough Serena on the court, not worrying about what the people are thinking in the stands or, right. or the, the history books might write, that's when we'll see her come through. Right, I put her in a category with Nadal, and I mean this in the most positive way ever. Nobody's won more matches that they shouldn't have won. Like they just <laughs> figure out a way. It's exactly. close. They don't have their A game, and they and they find a way. They win the big points. Well, Serena has the adaptive ability. She has a B game yeah. and even a C game. She can she can hit that ball big on the ground strokes. She can hit the serve big, or she can actually kick the serve. She can choose to hit a little bit heavier ground strokes, and she's so solid out of the corners such a great athlete. She can come to the net, come forward. So pretty complete game and allows her to really have a diverse array of different strategies she, she can throw at her opponents. We're all excited. Jan Michael, thanks for coming on the TCLI podcast. And uh, last thing, who do we think wins Paul Merrill? Do we have a prediction yet? I know it's kind of tough. We're it's halfway a, through the quarterfinals. This is a really tough one to call. Uh, Palermo's been such solid tennis so far. Everybody's looked really well, really good. I, I, I can't go out on a limb, but Yastrzemska looked fantastic last night. I could yeah. see her coming through. That Georgie match is tricky. Hometown it girl, is, everybody loves is, her. It is tricky. She gets by that. I think I agree with you, but that's we've seen some crazy stuff. It's been a deep field for sure. But Jan Michael Gamble, thanks for coming on the TCLI podcast. You bet. Thanks, Mitch. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the TCLI podcast on the Tennis Podcast Network. Big thanks to our guest again, Jan Michael Gamble, and thanks to everybody working on Tennis Channel Live, the television show, both on camera and behind it, to make it the best show in tennis, bar none, without question. Catch every episode of the TC Live podcast on the Tennis Podcast Network, and wherever podcasts are found on all your apps, on all your devices, you will find it there. I'm Mitch Michaels. We'll see you next week in Lexington with Serena Williams, Sloan Stevens, and many more on Tennis Channel. The tour continues. Thank you for listening.